this is uh, this title and the theme of this message I preach about once a year. I should preach it more than that, and maybe I'll start uh, because a source of strength uh, is the reason why um, our church exists. I think uh, the la- the last time I read how many churches were in the woodlands, that doesn't include Spring or Conroe or Tomball, the surrounding areas, just the woodlands, there was 51 churches. I drove out of our parking lot a couple weeks ago and uh, I said, I'm going to count how many churches there are if I only take a right. Before I got two miles, and you can count them too, I counted five churches with four that had a building um, because one of them was meeting in the Woodlands High School. uh, And I thought, my goodness, I just took a right. What happens if I take a left? What happens if I go down Cochran's Crossing instead of Research Force? There are churches everywhere and every single church has got to know, and I'm friends with all the pastors in this community. They're good preachers. Not as good as me, but but just... (laughs) Just kidding. Um, But every pastor, every church has got to know why do they exist? What is their mandate? And for Celebration Church, our mandate runs in parallel with your individual mandate. It's to be a source of strength. And so the way I see it is that there's concentric circles. Um, the priority number one is to strengthen every individual and strengthen every family in this room. Because the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. Uh, if we are not strong, if each individual family is not strong, then uh, together uh, we're not strong as well. Um, and when I pray for you guys, this is how I pray. Father, I don't know where they're at right now, but I just pray in the name of Jesus that their marriage right now would start doing better. Right now. I pray that the love for each other would just increase. And and then I shift over to your finances because it's the number one cause of divorce. And so I just start praying, Father, you know every single person in our church. Some of them are married. Some of them are single. I just pray that you would increase their finances, cause doors of opportunity to open. I pray words like this. When they walk into a room, cause the people that's looking at them to like them. I pray that. So the next time you walk into a room, you're like, man, I can tell they like me. I prayed for that. (laughs) You can just shoot me a text message. Thank you so much. Those of you that are in sales, you owe me big time. Big time. But I pray for that. Just the minute they see their face, cause them to like them. And I pray for the, for the people that already know you. You know, the, the person that you share a cubicle with that whistles all day and you can't stand whistlers. They're just going to look at you and go, man, how are you? Man, I turned over a new leaf in my life and I just, I'm not going to whistle anymore. We can pray for things like that. Dear Lord, put a cork in their whistle. <laughs> Stick your finger in their mouth. Just cork it up. I pray for that. And uh, I, I, not really whistlers, but I pray each category of your life. I pray for your health. You know, if, if you have problems in your life, all those problems seem very petty the minute something in your body is not working. The minute something in your body is not working, all of a sudden your financial stress means nothing. You'll take financial, I'll take financial stress. Just cause my kidneys to start working again. Do you know what I'm, are you with me? If you have somebody in your family that's sick, that's the only thing that you care about. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, because we here have got to be strong. We have to be strong here. Now, if we're strong here, then we can be strong locally. And uh, for those of you that are part of our church family, we have these annual events where we put finances, we put manpower, we put people out into our community to express love and support. 
Um, we, we do this on an annual basis. And because spring, Conroe, the woodlands, Tomball, this is our area to contribute. And whether or not they ever become a part of Celebration Church or not is irrelevant. Because we're here to show, hey, Jesus loves you. There's a group called Celebration Church. We don't know you, but we love you too. And, and just pour that out. And then the next concentric circle around that is globally. And uh, we invest uh, into missions. Uh, we invest into uh, kids that have no fathers. Um, we, we, we ca- we're constantly doing that. And so I want to talk about how uh, today, I want to talk about how when you do that individually, and then when we do it corporately, there are huge blessings attached to that. Are you guys ready to dive right into it? Okay, here we go. In Matthew chapter 25, um, uh, we're going to read a verse here in a minute, but Jesus is looking at uh, a group of disciples and he's telling them a story uh, about a master who has three servants. He looks and he says that this master looks at his first servant and he says, look, I'm going to leave town for a little while, but I'm going to give you five talents. Now in some of your Bibles, it says five pieces of silver in other uh, translations, it uses other words. But he says in the translation that I have, I'm going to give you five talents. And a talent is anything, any strength that you have. Maybe it's tangible or maybe it's intangible. An intangible example is a strength that you have to encourage people and to make people feel encouraged while you're talking to them and you don't even know you're doing it because it's a strength that you have. A tangible would be that God has blessed you with a good job and you're able to help people financially from time to time. So there's these, uh, when I say the word talent, that means ability, both tangible and non-tangible. So he looks at one servant and he says, I'm going to give you five talents. He looks at another guy and he says, I'm going to give you two. He looks at another guy and he says, I'm going to give you one. The five talent guy goes out and he does all he can do to invest his tangible and his intangible uh, goods that God gave him into other people. So he's encouraging people. He's lifting people up. He's a detail-orientated person. Uh, Just whatever strengths he has, he's just using it. And the tangible strengths, he's using it. And there are people in this world who have five talents, say, in, to, so to speak, like to use an easy example, Isaiah Rangel, our worship director, he sings, he plays the keyboard, he plays the drums, he plays the guitar, he's a jerk, you know, <laughs> he's not really a jerk, but when you can do all of that stuff, you, it, it may, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't like you. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, who gets five talents? I got like one. And even that one takes some concentration. So, but when God, Isaiah stands in front of God, it's like, what did you do with all that I gave you? What did you do with all that? And, And you're responsible for it. Um, uh, people that are skilled in intangible, you know, you know, you're good in your office because you're the most detailed person there, or you have this ability to raise your own children, birth children, and, or the ability to raise children that are not of your blood, but they're of your spirit. I have a mother in the Lord that I talk about all the time. By the way, she's coming on June the 8th, so you better be here. Um, she, she raised me spiritually. These are intangible gifts. The second servant, he came back and he said, what did you do with the two? He says, well, I, you gave me two, I'm coming back with two. The f- guy with five said, you gave me five, I'm coming back with five. And then the servant that he only gave one to, something happened. I don't know what happened. Maybe he was the insecure kind. Standing, when you're a neighbor with a person who has five talents over here 
And then this guy has two talents and you have one talent. You can play the comparison game and get discouraged and end up doing nothing. Does that make sense? See, comparison is poison. If you're taking notes, never drink the poison of comparison. Because if you compare up, you get discouraged. If you compare down, you get arrogant. It's poison either way. So I don't know what happened to that first servant. If he was looking around and got discouraged, uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, Maybe he got distracted. I don't know. But when the master came back, he did nothing with it. And so there was, the, the master addressed them separately to the people that came back with a return. He said this in Matthew 25, verse 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Did you see what he said? I'm going to make you a ruler. Now, for those of you that are in my boat, where you know you're really good at one thing, kind of good at another thing, don't minimize your contributions because the way we use our talent does more than just add a ruby to your crown. The Bible says that I will make you a ruler over many things. When we get to heaven, when we walk through the pillars, the pearl pillars of the kingdom of God that makes Buckingham Palace look like a Walmart, the Lord's going to look at you and say, I'm going to make you a ruler because of how you handled the one talent that I gave you. You won't back up and say, but that guy brought you 15 talents. He will look back at you and say, well, I gave him 7.5. All he did was double it. You doubled it too. You went with one. Now you got two. Both of you are, I'm making both of you rulers. Now, I don't know what we're going to be a ruler over. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It's going to be, I mean, it's a kingdom. I've I've submitted a request. (laughs) I've told the Lord I've got a half of a talent when it comes to singing. It doesn't sound very good. In fact, I left my ear mic on between services and didn't know it. So when the second service started, I'm on the front row singing with you guys. With my microphone on, the band is looking at me and they're going, I think they're telling me, boy, this is going unbelievable. And I'm like, so Cleet, our sound engineer, comes out of the sound booth, comes all the way around, says, Pastor, your mic is on. I could tell it wasn't like, So I don't have a lot of talents when it comes to singing, but if I use my talent to its utmost ability and don't get intimidated by the rest of you good singers, then God will make me a rule over much. And the way I see it, the music director in heaven got fired And there's an opening. (laughs) I have submitted my proposal to the Lord. I want to be the choir director in heaven. And this guy, Mr. Talent Guy, you may or may not be a part of the team, just so you know. How we handle that. So he looks at the person with the one talent that didn't, was very uh, self-consumed. It was the tangible and the intangible, just very self-consumed. It wasn't a, 
man, I'm going to look to lift you up or I'm going to look to contribute to your life. I'm going to look to add. It was just very self-consumed. And the Lord said to this person in Matthew chapter 25, verse 26 and 28, but the Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming. I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, watch this. Take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. So the guy that was doing everything to the best of his ability. Just constantly looking to invest into people around him. Bad moods are powerful things, aren't they? Everybody's like, maybe. <laughs> okay, you can put your poker face on, that's okay. But you get, you get in a bad mood, it's like trying to swim with an anchor around your foot. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like the enemy goes, let's just put it, make them into, a, put a bad mood on them. And, 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 and all of a sudden, they'll just become very self-consumed and no longer invest. No longer lift up, no longer encourage, no longer contribute. Just pull them straight down. But the Lord says this, and if you're taking notes, these are the two takeaways I'd like for you to write down. Those who use their talents receive even more. The 10 talent guy, God looked at him and said, look, I know you have a lot in your account. You have Let's just throw in all the translations into this next sentence because I don't know what translation of the Bible you brought to church today. But in your translations, a tal- in some of your Bibles, it says talent. In other translations, it says money. In other translations, it'll say something like skills. In one of the translations, it says silver. So let's just take all of them and put it together. The Lord looked at the two talent and the five talent guy and said, you have managed your money well. You have given of your uh, personality, your gifts. You have given emotionally. You have done it well. And because of that, I'm not going to take your money or your personality traits that are so attractive I'm not going to take them from you and go give it to somebody who doesn't have anything. No, I'm going to give you more and more. So anytime you use what you got, God gives you more. Let me give you a short example. I've got 52 Sundays every year. As long as I keep doing what I'm doing, keep on preaching and keep on encouraging, this time next year, I'm going to be smoking. So if I'm not that great right now, just give me one year of your life. I promise you, you'll never be the same. Things are going to get better. Absolutely. God gives. He keeps people who give. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, I believe it is. Uh, yes, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, he says that he gives seed to the sower. I'm going to give you good things because you sow good things. So God doesn't necessarily give to everybody. He gives to people who give. Are you with me? He gives seed. Oh, you like to sow seed? You like to put seed in the ground? Well, here, let me give you some more seed. Oh, you like to encourage people? How about I make you even a better encourager? Oh, you, you're a detail-orientated person and you don't mind jumping into projects and help people with details even though you're not the person that's going to get all the credit? Hey, let me make you better. Oh, you like to raise people in the fear of God. Your children honor God because of the way you are raising them. I'm going to make you better. People who give receive so that they can give more. Point number two, everyone say number two. Those who invest their talents enter into the joy of your Lord. 
Did you see that when the Lord said, well done, my good and faithful servant, I will make you ruler over many things, enter into the joy of your Lord. I don't know if any of you have ever been depressed before, okay? And uh, it's like depressed, the word depressed is one of those words that nobody ever wants to own. So I'm just going to own it for all of us. A few years ago, I went into this deep depression because... I'm thinking to myself, man, is what I'm doing actually making any kind of a difference? Now, to you guys, you look at my life from the outside in and you're like, duh, you're a pastor, dude. Read the front page of the newspaper. You're making a difference. From the outside in, everybody's life looks peachy cream, right? Have you ever had somebody say, insinuate, oh, you got the best life ever? And you're thinking, <laughs> oh, if you only knew. If you, only knew. you ought to see my wife's face when people walk up to her and go, oh, you're so lucky to be married to Pastor Frankie. <laughs> my wife does the same thing every time. She goes, yeah. I think she needs to get better at faking it. You know what I mean? She needs to go, yeah, or something. Just something. Because from the outside in, it always looks fantastic. Well, I went into this slump a couple years back, and I just got, oh my goodness. And if you've never been depressed, then you don't even know what I'm talking about. But if you have, you just kind of like, is this what my, is, is this it? And I went to Guatemala and I started seeing people who have nothing. This one family was living underneath a piece of tin with four sticks. And the kids were playing outside. And their toys was the dirt and the hole and the mountain of dirt that they were playing with. And I'm sitting here thinking, and I was humiliated because my kids have more toys under the couch than they have total. And I came home and I couldn't wait to come see you guys because I thought, let's just be outrageous givers. And when you live like that, the depression kind of seeps out of your body because it's no longer about you. See, depression is when you don't like your current state and you see no exit. Did you catch that? That's when you're depressed, when you don't like your current situation and you see no hope. You've looked down the line and you don't see your circumstance changing and then it's like... And you can stare at a wall for like three hours. Okay. When all of a sudden it's no longer about you. And you get consumed with lifting people up emotionally and with any tangible asset you have. Then you get filled with this purpose. And that's why the Lord said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. You get to experience a joy that you didn't have before. And that's only forgivers. Someone say, that's good. Americans have so much stuff. We got stuff coming out of our eyeballs. We're going to play a little game. Do you feel like a game? You feel like a game? We're going to have a little commercial break to play a game, all right? So look at the person next to you say, get ready. We're going to play a game called Over and Under, okay? Now, I'm going to show some stats on the Houston Livestock and Rodeo. Anyone go to the rodeo this year? We're going to go and play a game. I'm going to show you some stats as a reflection of how we have more than what we need as a, as a society. Here we go. Are you guys ready? Here we go. The rodeo attendees purchased over or under 3,000 pairs of cowboy boots. Any under? <laughs> oh, no. The answer, 8,000 pairs of boots. 
were purchased for this year's rodeo. The rest of the article said, and many of those people will never wear those boots again. (laughs) Were there over or under, I want everybody to participate, 50 empty strollers left unattended after the rodeo? The answer, there was 15 strollers left unattended after the rodeo event, which is so funny because most of the room said over, and then you hear 15, you go, oh, only 15? There was only 15 moms? I'll let you guys finish that sentence. Were there over or under 500 electronics, cell phones, etc., turned into lost and found? Over? The answer was 245 electronics items found. Over the 20-day rodeo event, were there over or under 300 children who made their way into the rodeo's lost child area? Now the stroller thing is making sense, right? Over? Under? There was 317. I can't find my mommy! 317 times. And I was one of them in 1970. No, All right. When there were, uh, were there over or under 1.8 million attendees over the course of the entire Houston Livestock and Rodeo? The answer was 2,485,721. It's a lot of people. And the last one, the one that all of you really want to know, did the Rodeo sell more turkey legs than funnel cakes? Raise your hand if you think they sold more turkey legs. Go ahead. Raise your hand if you think they sold more funnel cakes. Some of you were the cause. There were 250,000 funnel cakes and 120,000 turkey legs. Have you ever had a turkey leg before? They look better than they really are, aren't they? It's like you're walking down. Because you can't eat it like that, right? It's not like a piece of corn. You feel like Bam Bam, right? In our Western world, we have so much stuff. Some of us have a garage sale every year. Every year, let's just get rid of stuff we don't need because over since the last time, since last year, we've gotten more stuff we don't need. So now we're going to sell the stuff we don't need. Uh, the, you know, $9. No, no, no. I'll give you $7. No, $9. And then you realize you're arguing over $2. You know, like, just take the iron. I don't care. Just We have so much stuff. It, the Lord is, is really, he looks at us and he goes, I have given you personality traits. I've given you intellectual abilities. I've given you just flat stuff. And I need you to not not give it out. I need you to be like a pitcher with holes in it where I pour water into the pitcher and it just pours out of you. The more wisdom I give you, the more insight I give you, the more uh, ability to encourage, the more financial raises I give you. I just need it to just pour out of you. And when we do things together, things are pretty amazing. Uh, I want to share something with you. Um, We do something together that not a lot of you guys know about. Um, We have adopted a feeding uh, ministry and a church uh, in Guatemala. And uh, it's a pretty special thing. My dad actually introduced me uh, to this community um, in Chijo, Guatemala. And uh, when I went there, I was amazed because there's a pastor named Pastor Rene 
And there's also another pastor, and they're like best friends. And the other one is Pastor Nio. And Nio oversees uh, this, um, this feeding ministry that feeds over 150 people. Uh, there's orphans there. There's fatherless there. There's widows there. And that, prior to Celebration Church becoming exposed to uh, this community, my dad's church was handling all of the finances because nobody ever goes there. No Americans ever go there. Well, when I went there, I totally, I mean, I had tears coming out of my eyes. I came back and a team of you guys came with me. We went to go see him again. In fact, I've got a few pictures. That's Pastor Nio right there. Um, and now Celebration Church on the right, just freeze this one for a second. On the right is Pastor Renee. On the left is Pastor Nio. And my dad bought those, uh, Pastor Nio on the left was getting married that day. He bought him a tuxedo and he bought Pastor Renee that suit. Um, and uh, that's their church. Go ahead and, and flip the screen, uh, the picture. Um, that's a cute little girl. I forgot her name, but she is just darling. Um, there's Isaiah singing. <laughs> That's me speaking Spanish to everybody. <laughs> Actually, um, there's, uh, there's the church. There's Del. Uh, you recognize him. There's our generations pastor, Pastor Lance, right there. Um, uh, we're going to show you some more in a minute. But you guys don't realize, but we send them money every month. And the food that they eat uh, is from us. And we do that every single month. And um, you say, well, uh, how does all that happen? Uh, I think it was about a year ago was the last time I did it. Uh, I opened it up to everyone and I said, hey, uh, as a pastor, I would like to see every single family in our church give $10 a month towards Guatemala. I think every family can do that. And um, because of that response, uh, we've been able to do all this. And so um, at the end of the service, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to say, hey, does, does anyone here want to be a part of that where you give $10 a month? And uh, if you do, uh, you'll be able to jump on with us and we can make this impact uh, together, we're feeding over 150 people each week, and we support the church. Um, so, for the last several years, it's only been uh, my dad's church and our church that's been providing for this entire community. Uh, but my dad brought somebody on his staff, uh, the guy that was over media, his name is Kyle, brought him, and he got wrecked. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever been wrecked before. Uh, but when you get wrecked, your whole life changes. You come walking into a church and you never really took God that serious and something happens and he becomes the focal point of your life. Well, he went and um, saw it and was just wrecked. And he decided that he was going to open up a ministry, start a ministry called uh, Forgotten People. And so now there's three ministries. It's our church, it's my father's church, uh, and it's forgotten people that, that dump into Guatemala. And uh, I asked him to come today because uh, he recently just went full-time to where that's all he does is focus on Guatemala, which is so phenomenal. So now he's able to go about four times a year. And uh, his, his, um, his, his moxie is such that there's people in the community that have jumped on with them. And for example, all those t-shirts out there are all donated. So every time he sells a t-shirt, all $15 goes to Guatemala. Isn't that cool? So absolutely. So he's done just terrific things, but he just went to Guatemala this last week. And, um, and he's very skilled with video but God's really anointing him to do much more than that. He's a phenomenal speaker and he goes to churches all the time and speaks. But I told him, I said, Kyle, why don't you come to celebration and tell everybody 
why you made this radical shift. Uh, show some video so that we can see what we've been doing and uh, just kind of give us a snapshot. So um, the service is almost over. I don't have anything else to say, but he's going to come up and speak for a few minutes and then I'm going to come back up and dismiss everybody. But would you make Kyle feel welcome? Go ahead and put your hands together. Awesome. Like he said, um, a couple of years ago, my world was completely flipped over. Um, the way I looked at things is completely different now. And, you know, the number one thing that I want to say to y'all is, is thank you. I mean, it's as simple as that. It, it's thank you. We do so much there for the people. And I don't really, it's so hard going to another country and, and coming back to the States and saying, listen, look what we're doing because you don't feel it. You can't see it. When you have children's ministry here, you, you feel it. You could see it. You could touch it. There it is. But over there, there's so much going on that it's really, it's unbelievable to a lot of people. As he was saying, you know, we fly into a city called Chio where there's been no Americans there. Nobody's ever stepped a foot there. And what happens is we, we show up and Pastor Maz and Frankie, they show up and they see that there's nothing being done. And that's what literally changed my entire life. I went there and I saw it and I was just filming a random video for the church and God literally completely wrecked my soul. I mean, for instance, we were climbing up to this mountain. We flew in and we start driving up about three hours and we start hiking another three hours and there's this lady there in the middle of the mountains and she was 100% blind. So we, we start asking her, you know, about her story and she would walk three hours up and down the mountains with just her husband or sometimes her granddaughter just following her like this, completely blind. And I'll tell you, they're not just sidewalks. These are dirt trails, sometimes crossing over logs. So we ask her, what can we do for you? And the first thing that she asked for, it was not food, it was not water, it was not health. It was nothing to do with that. What it was, was she goes, I want a church. I want a church that we can worship in together as a community. And that's where God wrecked my soul. Because as you know, I mean, like you were saying earlier, there's churches, I mean, literally a minute away from each other. And what's happening in Guatemala is incredible because we, we went in there and the churches started coming in there and Pastor Frankie went in there and now we're feeding. And when I say that Pastor Frankie in this church is giving the most, I mean that. This church has no problem giving when we need something, when something health-wise is going on with one of our kids this church is the first one that gives, and, and we want to thank you for that because you're not only doing something for them, but the community is seeing it. See, the community just told us, the mayor, um, I'm really good friends with the mayor now, and he said, every single time you come, we want you to hold a revival. We want you to, we're going to bring all 15,000 people together, and we're going to preach, and we're going to bring God win two years ago. Amen. Two two years ago, this, this mayor did never said anything about God. He was not a Christian. But people are seeing that people like you are coming and, and they're coming together and they're locking arms. And instead of being selfish, right, you're coming together and you're giving. Something that disgusts me at times is, is motivational speakers. And I'm going to try to be as nice as possible, but speakers that come to churches. And I think it's so sad how we have to have these motivational speakers come and encourage people to give. I think it's sad, especially for people to come into a church and do that. Isn't this what God has already called us to do? And this is what God has already done. And what's so cool about Celebration Church is y'all do it. And y'all are doing it well. And I want to thank you for that. <laughs> I'm not motivating you to give, so don't take that. <laughs> but that's why we're here. We simply, I told Pastor Frank, I said, you know what? We don't want to ask for anything. We don't want anything from you. All we want to do is we want to come and say thank you. Because y'all are only, y'all are literally the only church that has given as much as you are giving. And it's changing people's lives really quick before we play a video. There's a family. And he showed a, a girl. I don't know if you have that picture of him and that one girl. It's Beatrice is her name. And Beatrice, sorry. <laughs> and 
this girl, her, her little brother is actually what I call my spiritual son. And this family was found literally when we went there in celebration went there, they were in this house. And I don't mean to guilt trip you and I don't mean to make you feel sorry for them so you could pull out your wallet and give. If you are guilt, if you have any guilt in giving, don't do it at all in my opinion. But this family was found, and when we, when we see them, and when Pastor Frankie sees them, literally there's kids sleeping and there's rocks falling from the house because this house is made out of clay and old rocks. And it's falling on these kids, and what your church was able to do was come behind that family and say, we love you, we care about you, and we're going to get you into a better place. They, we moved them from that house to another newer house. Now these kids, all eight of them, have clothes to go to school. They have food seven days a week. It's because of people like you, and what? I think he's only asking $10 a month? <laughs> That's Unbelievable. I just want to thank you. That's a simple, uh, the simple thing that we did. We um, just got back from Guatemala, like we said, about four days ago. And um, every time I go, my life is completely changed. But we went there, and um, I literally told Pastor Frankie, I want to film a video just for your church. And so while we were super busy, we um, were able to pull some time away and film some kids and just different things. And we want to show you this video. Um, but whenever you see this, I really want you to not look at this as just another, you know, I was on TV last night and I saw, you know, uh, I forgot her name, Sarah McLaughlin, you know, with the poor dogs and they're, you know, starving and all that. And so many times we can look at stuff like that. We just change the channel, you know, boop, you know. All right, there's the office, you know, <laughs> right? But so many times we see sad kids on TV and we see all these things on TV and it makes you very depressed. And if you're not careful, you'll just flip the channel and not really care about it. Or you'll hear people like me that are passionate about countries and you could be like, oh, that guy's doing such a great job. Now back to our life, right? What I want to tell you is this. These people have souls just like you. God loves them as much as he loves you. These people don't have someone next to them to grab their hand and to hold, and hold them and push them forward in life. They don't have that. We are the first Americans. Pastor Frankie and I and a couple other people were the first Americans ever to step a foot on this ground. Whenever I was young, my father, he, he died whenever I was eight years old. Lived with my mom, which was an awesome mom. And whenever I was 13 years old, I woke up one morning and I went over to her room. I'm shaking her and I'm trying to wake her up, but she was dead. Both of my parents actually died from a drug overdose from heroin. From 13 years old on, I went from house to house, family member to family member. I was put into special ed in school because everyone thought that there was no hope for me. I was at this moment where I believed that no one cared. No one was there. This guy, my, my youth pastor, and I'm almost done, but this guy, my youth pastor at the time, he, he grabbed a hold of me. I would go into jail from doing drugs, and I would be bouncing at strip clubs, and I would be doing all this stuff, and my youth pastor constantly grabbed me, and he prayed with me, and he says, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care how far down you go. I'm going to be right here next to you. And that's why. I'm standing here today. That's who I'm going to be for little Peter. And that's what I'm asking you to be for hundreds and thousands of kids. He said this earlier in the, beginning, in the first service that you can't feed all of them. I know it can be overwhelming. You can see a bunch of poor kids. But you know what you could do? You could grab hold of one. Right? Who's the one that led Billy Graham to salvation? Nobody really knows. Let's change the world together. Let's grab hands together and let's do something about what we say we believe in. Amen. Thank you again. I want you to see this video of what your church is doing. Amen. ago we came to this village here in Kaniak, Guatemala and we noticed that you know people yes they were sending money people were trying to feed children but one thing that we noticed was that no one was actually spending time 
Nobody was actually worried about the quality of every single individual. And that's what we have learned as a ministry, that we want to come here and we want to focus on every single student, every single adult. We've come here and we realized that there was there's no hope. People were putting their hope into alcohol and the drugs and, and all the things that will never give an eternal hope. And that's why we're here. That's why you have come behind us and you have supported us because we want to see that hope. Since we came here, we um, really started focusing on, on the people. And we, we've come and we've brought quality food for these kids. We've brought quality food for the adults here. We're sending kids and teenagers to colleges. We're putting effort into actually seeing these people's lives actually being successful. We're coming behind the pastors and we're encouraging them and we're supporting them financially. We are making a difference. times I've seen videos, you know, on TV and, you know, just of poor kids and different things like that. And what's so crazy is that, you know, now it's not just, you know, this poor kid on TV that we kind of just, you know, don't really do anything about, but now we actually have an opportunity to put our hands into something that's tangible and that actually makes an impact. And, and not even that, but it's the Lord. He gives us an opportunity to do this and he calls us to do this. And um, that's what we're just so excited for is just to be a part of his plan. This is um, actually little Peter and he is actually eight years old. Um, his father died about two years ago and um, we, we found the situation, we found him and we just started pouring into him and now because of people like you, you know, he has um, quality food every single day. He has um, clean clothes now. He has school materials. He's going to school, and it's so awesome. And what's so cool is that you know, he, he told his mom, and, and and he told you know some of our team that he looks at me as his father, as his new father. And it's so awesome that you know you are allowing us to come and be a part of this and be a part of a kids' life like this. asking for your help. We cannot do this without you. The vision that we have is big and we need you to come behind us. See, we've already built six churches in the mountains of Guatemala with your help. We've already fed kids every single week and we continue to do so, but we have more to do. There's more kids like Peter that we have to help and we're asking for your help. We're sending people to college. Come help us be a part of this vision. You know, just to update you guys, the the money that our church sends over there, all those kids that you saw eating, you guys bought that food. It's not like a flip a coin. I don't know where where that money came from. No, it came from you. Um, our church and my father's church are the only two churches. And then Kyle is, is working his, his tail off 
Um, and he's doing a phenomenal job. He's doing a phenomenal job. I want to acknowledge Lori, too. She's working with Kyle. Why don't you stand up? She was our interpreter when we went to Guatemala. Give her a round of applause. You know, um, it's interesting. When we went up there, we said, look, we don't mind feeding you. We're going to enjoy feeding you. But we're more interested in trying to change a culture than we are just filling your belly. Um, And so we have sent, uh, we told the pastor of the church, anytime a young man or a young girl uh, is being faithful and they're doing the best they can, let us know and we'll pay for their continued education. And so um, one of the kids uh, has already been sent to school and has come back, and now he is a licensed, trained teacher to teach these kids English and how to read and write. Another kid that we, he's in school right now, we've already sent him, and he's coming back. He wants to be a nurse or a doctor or something, a doctor. So he's already been sent off. He's about halfway through his training, and now he's coming back, and he's already reinvesting into the community. And so we're wanting to be, and I, we told him, we said, look, we'll feed you guys till Jesus comes back. We, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for our church to do that, but we don't want you guys to always have to have us. We're always going to be here, but you don't, we want you, we want to be icing on the cake. Does that make sense? Um, and so we, we feed them, we take care of them, we support the church and the feeding ministry. And so I just want to say to, to all of you that have been giving um, good on you. We're doing great. For those of you that are not a part of that team, um, uh, pull out the offering envelope right in front of you and fill it out and say, I'll give $10 a month. And um, if you say $10 a month, I mean, I probably have that in my ashtray. That's really easy for us. Well, great. Do $20 a month because it's not easy for the family down the row that you're sitting on. Uh, do more than that. Uh, I want everybody here to join that team. And um, uh, if you, if you give in your regular tithes and offerings, uh, that goes to us building our church and the local community. But it's this, the $10 a month, that affects the global efforts. The two takeaways today are look for opportunities to give all the intangibles as often as you can, because that's when you're going to feel most alive. And then when it comes to the tangibles, if you have it, give it, because those who give receive more to give.